0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Today I have returning as a special guest from the Willard Library in Battle Creek, Michigan, Mr. Mac McCullough. His focus includes local digital collections, history, and a lot of community outreach for Willard Library. He also hosts a a very unique podcast that's run by Willard Library. But today we're going to talk about some of the legacies of historians that have contributed so much to the recorded history of Battle Creek, both in the written word and with photographs, and how their work has impacted the community and those that love to study history, like all of my listeners out there so welcome back to the show mac thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today absolutely i'm glad to be here thank you for inviting me yeah it's always fun to talk history especially with a librarian <laughs> i mean you guys have all of the history records it's such a wonderful collection there at willard and i use it all the time So, Mac, could you tell us a little bit about your work in the archives at Willard Library? Maybe introduce yourself for people that maybe missed the first interview you've been on with me.
1: Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, uh, folks call me Mac. I'm Michael McCullough. Um, Mac is short for McCullough. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I started here at the library in 2016. I'd spent uh, my uh, years before that. I came to Battle Creek in 98, and I was uh, with the Inquirer um, in the interim years. And, uh, you know, of course, my number came up like like so many other people at the Inquirer. And I was fortunate enough to, uh, uh, you know, I just love Battle Creek. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, find an opening here at Willard Library. And, uh, yeah, as you said, I was uh, placed in, and we're all hands on deck, wear multiple hats kind of thing. So I can't call myself a specialist. But, uh, yeah, I was given uh, community outreach work and also... Uh, Charge of the digital collections, um, which you know is a little bit a little bit of misnomer because we have a lot we have a lot on our on our website that's available to the public, Um, but uh, we also have a lot that we just need to go through. There's just so much, Um, and so we're always looking to add things. But you know that's my job. But I also do a lot of research for folks. Um, In fact, just this morning, I, I had a query about somebody who discovered that his grandfather unbeknownst to him and anybody in his family, um, was part of a robbery in Coldwater and led a chase or yeah, they were chased into battle Creek and it was like, you know, a sensational wow. story. <laughs> um, and he was the driver and the roads were icy and he had a, a Hudson, um, uh, which the police couldn't catch, but because it was so icy, they were able to head him off. And one guy got shot and they were sentenced to, uh, Uh, prison for three years and so his descendant is looking for answers what the hell was he doing in battle creek (laughs) what the hell is he doing in michigan um wow yeah so you know that you know things like that come up all the time and um it seems increasingly too there's just been a real resurgence i think in interest in history and uh myself and melissa mcpherson another librarian here um we we were kept pretty busy by people just looking for clues about their family or about homes or anything. Right. Else.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely, I need to spend more, um, time physically there. I spend so much time in the digital archives, but I'm sure there's a lot more books and references to study just being there just, uh, I'm afraid I'll go in there and lose, I'll wake up a a week later and say, wait a minute, I'm still here. (laughs) It's so much cool stuff there. Oh,
1: yeah. You know, I'm always discovering new things. Um, And uh, yesterday I wanted to get a copy of the Pioneer Annals that uh, you mentioned. Um, And Mm -hmm. it was out out at the branch, which is where our print history collection generally is. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like rabbit warren after rabbit warren. I just keep discovering other things just there that are in the catalog. And then we have a vault where we keep a lot of donated materials and and things that we've collected over the years. And you get into a box and you find letters, you find papers, and you find, you know, all kinds of things that are incredibly interesting. Um, I wish it could be my full-time job because, you know, no one would ever see me again. I'd be in my my little hole, you know, doing my thing because there's just so much of it to do. But it's also, yeah. you know, I'm really driven as much as I can to get it in the public realm and, and get it to where people can learn mm-hmm. from it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's a big job. So I'm excited about some updates that we're going to be doing um, and getting more out there. So we could talk about some That's of that. awesome.
0: Yeah, that's great. We could talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. So there's been a long list of historians in Battle Creek history, and we're probably going to miss a whole bunch of them in this conversation. But... Can we talk about some of the ones that you're more familiar with, with the Willard Library collection?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you and and you'd mentioned Mary Butler too, and Mary Butler is famous for saying there's more history per square inch in Battle Creek than any other city in the in the country. I think the reason for that is there are more historians per square inch in Battle Creek than any other city <laughs> in the country. I, there's just a ton of them that that I refer to a lot, and I mentioned to you E. W. Roberts. Um, Mm -hmm. he, uh, authored a, uh, a handwritten collection, um, which by the way, I have digitized and I'm waiting for the opportunity to put that up, but you can see it out at the branch, um, Mm -hmm. photographs around Battle Creek, um, in the early part of the century. And and he'd write extensive historic cut lines with, with each of them. Uh, I consult that a lot. Um, you know, for folks who use our, uh, our photo collection online um, they'd be very familiar mm-hmm. with his, with his photographs. Uh, unfortunately, in most cases, those photographs didn't include that information that he had so meticulously recorded with them. Um, you know, oh. I'm often, uh, you know, that's another one of my long project lists is to go in and do that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's just an amazing resource. And when I do have it up online, uh, I think it's going to be very popular because it'll be searchable and, and you can really dig into a lot of things. Um, there's photographs of old houses. There are photographs of old businesses. He had a, a, a very a deep love of nature. Uh, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, rural, scenic, bucolic, bucolic photos as well. Um, wow! And he was uh, an engraver at Gage Printing. Uh, which is another okay. one of Battle Creek's historical, famous businesses. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he, he, uh, this, this was his uh, passion. And so it's an amazing resource that uh, I think people really enjoy. Um, you know, another one, of course, is, is uh, Bernice Bryant Lowe, the author of uh, Tales of mm-hmm. Battle Creek, um, And when I'm talking about boxes and boxes of information, she has a lot of them. And uh, it's.
0: Oh, you actually have her collection there at the library? Yeah,
1: we do. We have. I don't know that we have at all. Um, And that's the thing about Battle Creek, it's kind of spread out, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I find things at the historical archive, um, I'm sorry, the Historical Society archive that we don't have Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, And that, you know, and she was just. uh, I mean, she was really amazing. Uh, she, uh, you know, she was so meticulous in her notes. A lot of what she provided, and, and we don't do this anymore because, mm-hmm. as most people know, the the our newspaper archive, most of the newspapers ever published in Battle Creek, are available on our website. Um, okay. After you know, after 1925. Um, you have to access it on-site because that's a copyright restriction, but it's just a treasure trove. But one of the things that um, that uh, Bernice Brian Lowe did was that she would um, curate articles in scrapbooks and in folders. And so you often can find, often it's no more than that, is just a scrapbook of mm-hmm. different articles that she's collected, most of them local. Um, but what's okay. cool about them is there'll be notes in the margins. Sometimes, and she'll comment.
0: She found out.
1: Yeah, sometimes she she'll comment on the accuracy of different things, in in Mm -hmm. there. And it's just, you know, she was a great writer, a great speaker. Um, You know, she's a. She started public speaking at age six, and uh, and her first full recital, full program, was at age eleven. She was kind of a prodigy in her time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so that, I, I I often consult her book, uh, Tales of Battle Creek. Um, and in fact, there is a there is an appendix in in that book about different. She calls them yarn sprint yarn spinners, um, right. but the, the historians that were some of them which we're talking about today. So, just to- yeah,
0: exactly. And she was where I started in my search for history in Battle Creek. I started with Tales of Battle Creek, and yeah. And um and went out from there, you know. Um, a couple of other ones, ladies that were, and they're still around. Amy South, yeah, she's helped us a lot out at, at a couple of events at the museum. Yep, yeah. she wrote over two hundred articles on history for the Inquirer. Yeah, she actually, and then
1: up the column that Mernice was writing before,
0: right? Yeah, and so she had known Mernice, I guess, a little bit too, and uh, has she has some fascinating stuff that she researched, and then. Elizabeth Newmeyer, who was the one who wrote the What's in a Name anthology for Scene Magazine. Yeah, yeah. And she came out with her, she got that yellow booklet, and we still book. We still sell that at the museum, too. And, yeah, uh, yeah. She, and she's a, quite an interesting person to talk to. I invited her to come on the podcast, but she's just not technically oriented, so yeah, I've had she had her would be on. a hoot to have on.
1: I've had her on a couple of things. We recorded a conversation. She didn't want to do it live. We recorded a conversation Uh about uh, Dale. You know, sometimes I have a hard time holding on the names, but uh, Dale, um, who the uh, uh, historic collection is is named for, the KCC professor. Help me out, Mike. Right? You remember?
0: Oh my gosh, I've forgotten his name. (laughs) Yeah, it's the one that you just had a. uh, It'll
1: come to me, and I'm going to shout it out when we're on another subject but uh
0: exactly that's what happens with me i'll pop i'll be talking to someone and i'll forget and then five yeah. minutes later it just uh resurfaces yeah he was a but, history um,
1: professor at kcc and
0: uh yeah
1: i had hired her um mm-hmm. i've also had her on uh we did a uh, a, a program on sojourner truth online that she took part in but you're right she's you know mm-hmm. technology i'm not sure i like it either but it's a necessary yeah
0: thing. we all kind of had a Weighed into it at some point exactly yeah gonna be here so so let's talk about some of the older ones Uh, one of the earliest historians he may be very well be the earliest one that to record regional history in battle creek was anson de puy van buren his name was adp van buren he was a dutch descent and he came to the area in 1836 at the age of 14 and spent his teenage years growing up on the gogwak with his parents yes. right around Young Cemetery, and uh, he went on to record a lot of the early history of Calhoun and uh, Kalamazoo County, and it was recorded in the Pioneer Collections, yeah. which you can find online. And um, and you guys have a, a sample of the Pioneer Collection. I know it's pretty big.
1: Well, what we have uh, is a uh, a collection of the articles. They they were printed in the in the paper. Uh, in the Battle Creek mm-hmm. Daily Journal. Um, and okay. that's available out at the branch. Um, and yeah, those, those are fascinating too. Just Yeah, he even, at one point, Amy South wrote about this um, in one of her columns about, you know, there's that rock in front of the, uh, that plaque in front of the Masonic Lodge that marks the first yeah. cabin or the first rolling. Right. And mm-hmm. and that's, uh, you know, he found evidence that, that wasn't necessarily true. Uh, and she wrote write a little bit about that, but you know, yes, right. he's it's a fascinating account. Um, E.W. Roberts, who we just mentioned, also wrote a Pioneer Days book mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, okay. the recounting of how Balta was settled um, was really fascinating. You know, and he, you know, he came in here um, on the, on the Indian Trail, territorial road, yep. boarded the Kalamazoo yep. River <laughs> to get across. Yep. You know, with his family. Yeah. And, yeah, basically yep. tamed a very difficult place to farm, um, to turn the prairie yeah. into farm because of the complex roots, you know, that go down many, many feet. Um yeah. had to go through a lot of plows to break that ground, plow blades, um, by hand, with horses, you know.
0: Now, I've heard different accounts that some areas were very rich in the soil, that okay. the loam was really deep because the Indians had burned it for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's mention of that uh, it, um bernice bryant Lowe mentions that but and i think it was appealing because you didn't have to tear out trees right yeah whereas other areas of the town of the county you had to like if you go to um i think canvas township or um newton township over there they had to tear out trees yeah. to, to farm yeah. and and it took they were the last i think it was uh newton township was one of the last ones farmed in the whole county because it was so heavily forested and it didn't have any uh major water sources to set up milling and so that that's just uh and and so the pioneers that settled there were like the hardcore guys that were willing to spend all the muscle like the germans wanted to rip out trees so they could farm Yeah, yeah yeah it's interesting history when you start digging into these stories and find out um about that those types of areas you know and adp van buren was fascinating because he was his father was a cousin to president martin van buren right and he had actually been martin van buren's tutor when he was a kid even though he was only two years older than him and so he tutored a his father had tutored a president growing up wow i didn't know that yeah. So academically, you know, you can see how his father was an academic a, from a young age and passed it along to, and a lot of those early pioneers were very well educated. That's, you know, yeah. I mean, look at, look at the Willard family. Alan Willard taught his sons almost a college education yeah. before they were 16, you know? Um,
1: well, and they came here and a lot of them were, were, uh, uh, you know, homeschooled essentially because there were no schools when they came. Yeah. I mean, ADP, uh, uh, he uh, ended up being a teacher at uh, right. at age 17, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he was the uh, first principal of the Union School that combined mm-hmm. the uh, schools from the outer townships into one building up there on Champion Street. So,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, but it's, you know, I think that's one of the reasons. I mean, there's a couple of things I, I think contribute to our wealth of historians here. And one is what you just mentioned. Is that the migrants or the people who came here, you know, they all had received liberal educations in New York and New England. Um, Correct. And and so it was a very well-educated group that came here and and, and settled. Um, And the other Mm -hmm. thing I I think contributes to it is that because Michigan was settled so late uh, relative to other surrounding states, um, it just feels closer. It feels more, uh, even yeah. even somebody you know, a young whippersnapper like me, feels like young. I'm 59. 59. Um, mm-hmm. Hard to believe, but uh, you know, feels a connection to to those folks because you see them everywhere, and and you see right. you see their legacies everywhere. I mean, I live on Orchard Avenue, which was part of the Merritt, um, you know, the Merritt.
0: Yeah, the Merritt plantation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Merritt farm. Yeah that that was um that that's that brings me probably to charles barnes who was uh he died in 1910 i believe and he grew up through the civil war era he was a teenager um when he first started uh getting involved with he was became got involved working with a printing press yeah he was well he and, was a, and worked for the newspaper
1: yeah he was a printing apprentice and in those days yeah. they called them the devil um <laughs> that was you know just kind of one of those uh, publishing slangs. you know in those days editors of papers were generally uh, print, printers by trade. Um, right. But yeah, he's, he's known as the dean of, of journalism. Um, and so I even before, when I was still at the Enquirer, I, I read about him and, and his I think what makes him, he loved history one
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he also loved nature he also yeah. helped create the fireman's association which because he had been a volunteer fireman
0: um wow i didn't know that yeah
1: uh, you know a statewide organization to uh you know he believed that um uh, extinguishing fires fighting fire should be a science um mm-hmm. and so he helped help form that organization i mean it's just a long list of accomplishments uh, you know in his last years he wasn't running one of our newspapers. He was corresponding, writing locally and um, for other other publications. But yeah, the the dean of journalism in, in in Battle Creek and one of the most respected news people in the state in his day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very frustrated, and this will sound familiar to those of us who love history. He was very right. frustrated by how little the city, you know, writ large, cared about preserving and promoting history. And it's often written about him that we wouldn't know much of what we know if it weren't for his dogged uh, pursuit of those stories and his dedication to telling those stories. Um,
0: Uh, Most definitely. Most definitely. He's um, his writings are just fascinating. Yeah. And they're so detailed and he has such amazing little anecdotes that you don't find anywhere else. Like the, I was reading an article and I just did a, a podcast episode on the black pioneer history that he had written. And it was just an amazing collection of stories about the early black pioneers. And they were such a, and he knew some of them. He worked with one of them in the printing press. Uh, he would, uh, he he was setting that he was working alongside one of the men and, uh, and heard about his story and included it in his article many many years later yeah so he's just and do you know what happened to his um natural history collection because i have seen recording or references that he had one of the largest natural history collections in this part of the state yeah and when he died what happened to it did it wind up at the kingman museum or does it i, I just know, I get sold that. to some other museum or
1: i don't know that I'll need to, I'll see if I can find out. I
0: Yeah, I've always been curious about that, saying, what happened to that, you know?
1: You can see this. I know we're not.
0: Yeah. He's showing me a, a book that is in memory of Charles E. Barnes. Wow. Yeah. A booklet. Wow.
1: And uh, it's just, uh, you know, like some of the writing, He has some examples. One morning at Lake Gogwak, I saw the most beautiful nature picture. As far as my eyes could see, there were thousands and thousands of silken webs. Some of them geometric forms and others festooned from top to top. The tallest grasses, the weeds, and bushes looked like fairy telegraph lines. The dew had fallen in the night and rested in tiny drops upon the webs. It was a bright, clear morning, and when the sun arose and its resplendent rays fell upon the acres of dew-sprinkled webs, it presented a sight beyond description. It was like a fairyland. The artistic forces of nature had been working in her laboratory and produced millions of precious gems that shed a silvery sheen over the landscape, dazzled the eye, and electrified the brain. Every drop of dew was a diamond. The rays of rising sun reflected and refracted from the jewels of aurora, producing a splendor that rivaled an oriental dream. Such scintillation of colors and glitter of light. It was magnificent. No artist could paint a scene so lovely, so brilliant, so grand. No human lapidary could cut diamonds or polish precious stones that could reflect such luster and beauty. Just the memory of that one morning recreates its inspiration. And I feel the benediction of nature come over me." And that's just a little beautiful piece of writing. Uh, He also uh, created a a naturalist uh, organization in, in the state of Michigan as well. So the, the man was of many passions. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I used to fancy myself as trying to model after his style of newsman because he was he was very much an everyman. You know, he very much yeah. mingled with people. He was dedicated to the community. Um, and uh, a lot of journalists make enemies, but it was written by him that he had none. Um, that uh, he was just beloved in the community. So
0: yeah, it's pretty Yeah. Cool. I, he's certainly one of my absolute favorites to, um, to read his work and I might definitely come a, take a look at that booklet you just showed. Cause I, I, there's probably a lot more available when writing on him than I've been finding. And he's, he's just uh, an amazing man. I loved yeah. all of his work that I've read so far. So, so let's talk about some of the other ones. There was Michael and Dorothy Martrich, Mardich, Mardich, yeah, yeah, Mardich, Mardich. And I was, well, and they, they had a photography collection as well.
1: Well, I, I was fortunate enough to know both of them, um, and uh, you know, they, uh, they contributed to history in a lot of different ways. But one of the, you know, the biggest legacies, and this was uh, really Dorothy's project, um, the uh-huh. uh, Mardich Black History Collection, um, which okay. you can find in bound editions out at the branch as well. What inspired it was she had a photograph of uh, you know African Americans at Beetle Lake, you know, and she had this you know inspiration that she wanted to identify each and every one of them, and I think she ultimately was successful, um, but along the way she just began to collect uh, photographs and uh, clippings and other things that kind of documented the history of Black people in in, uh, in Battle Creek um, it's oh, a wow. huge it's a huge collection it's i think it's like 80 bound volumes um in three finders. Um, Wow. well uh, Michael worked on many things um, <laughs> I'm recalling when I was the editor of the newspaper he wanted me to do a series on Battle Creek mares uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I never did that I mean I love the idea I just never did it or we never did it but he would write me these little handwritten notes and he had the most unique handwriting. Every time I see it in the files here at the library, I, I smile and, you know, I miss him a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, he would just, he would write in character. He would send a picture of one of the mayors and writing, writing Mm -hmm. that mayor's character that he wanted me to do this, do this collection. Um, yeah, another personal story. I went out to see, uh, I think it was a, I think it was a bomber. Now I can't. I took my son, my young mm-hmm. son, he was probably, I don't know three, four, um, and he had a quarter and he dropped his quarter and went inside the fence. And Michael Martich saw this and he came over and gave him a quarter, which oh, you know, yeah. he was just a, he was just a sweet uh, man, um, and Dorothy too. They both received George awards and and Michael, one of his many projects was documenting the history of streets in Battle Creek. And he was a real advocate for not mm-hmm. changing the names of streets. Um okay. so, you know, like United Way used to be Tompkins and that just graded him that they changed it to United Way because at the time United Way was in that building that the Urban right, League is right. in now. And it doesn't even apply anymore, but it's still United Way instead right. of name for the family for whom
0: you know. Right. Who used day. to live there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, street names are very, um, they kind of have a legacy on their own, you know, and you can learn a lot about who lived in that area. I mean, Green Street was named after Ogden Green. Yeah. You know, that's a small little street over there close to the courthouse area. And it's one of those little things that I learned along the way, because I studied, and he was a fascinating uh, individual who was uh, the uh, sexton out at Oak Hill Cemetery, you know. And just just one story, and and there's a lot of other stories. He was involved with the schools and everything else. But uh...
1: yeah, well, the midi, the pity Street, I think if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that correctly, that was a a builder um, who was who used to build a lot of the octagon or the round houses. Um, that's over oh, well. near the Grand Trunk Railroad. Yeah, there's just tons yeah. of them. And you know, Orchard Street where I live, you know, there's a lot of references to the Merritt family on all of those streets, uh, Fremont. Mm-hmm um yeah it's it is really interesting so yeah.
0: now a particular lady that um has had a tremendous photography collection was francis thornton yeah. and kurt thornton is a good friend of ours he's been yeah. he's involved in the museum but his mom's collection he still curates that collection and yeah and shares it with people on social media at the if you're not a part of the battle creek regional history museum group you should check it out because Kurt is forever showing wonderful photos from that collection on there.
1: Every time I do a program with Kurt, you know, you know, I want, fi- say I want 50 photos, I'll have 500. And mm-hmm. yeah. like the day before I need to have my presentation ready. <laughs> right,
0: right.
1: But, I mean, he's just a deep file of amazing images and, uh, he's great to work with yeah. that whole family. I mean, they're, I, I consider them history royalty. Um, right. And, and, I didn't, I didn't know, um, Mrs. Thornton, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, her contributions are, if you've ever had a chance to read the Heritage Battle Creek magazine, there are many articles mm-hmm. um, written by, by her. I mean, she was a, you know, founding uh, board member of for that for that magazine, which won state statewide awards, um, and uh, you know, she was instrumental in. I'm um, saving what was the Michigan Central uh railroad depot, which is now uh mm-hmm. Clara's. I mean, it's just right. it's just on and on. I can't remember. It's impossible to remember everything, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: uh you know, just do you have a collection of her articles at the library?
1: No, we don't have other than the fact that we have this the uh the the magazine out at the branch as well. And I have also had that digitized and I'm gonna put that up online soon as well. Okay. Um, but there isn't a, spe- a collection specific to her, but her name just pops up everywhere you look.
0: So, right. But you do have the heritage magazines that yeah, collections at the, okay. So they could find her articles through that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And they're yeah. fascinating. I mean, some of the ones that she's written, if I can, I wrote them down so I wouldn't remember, but, uh, you know, all oh, the tower at, at uh, monument park, I'm um, telling the story right. of the individual that, that built that, um, uh, Jimmy Brown. Jimmy Brown was his name. Okay. Uh, yep. This The okay. story of Mill Race. Oh, and she was on the Mill Race Park Committee as well, um, which is the park that sits where Mill Race used to be. Uh, a really mm-hmm. fascinating article on Harmonia, uh, article on the Merritt family um, and Quakers. So, yeah, oh. it just it really, uh, you know, a major contributor to this legacy that we're all working with today and trying to get people to uh, be able to see and experience.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And of course, Mary Butler was a curator and historian in her own right from the uh, Historical Society. Yeah, Mary Mary was always a
1: great resource for me when I was at the paper. Um, And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's the reason that we have uh, so much of what we have so well organized and easy to find. Um, she was okay. a serious advocate, um, and as I said, you know, she had that famous quote about the most history per square inch. Uh, by the way, she called Francis Thornton her her mentor um, when. Oh really? Man wow. Francis passed away. Um, you know, again, we don't have specifically a collection from Mary, but um, we probably wouldn't have a lot of what we have were it not for Mary. Um, right. And uh, you know, and we're we're still losing stuff all the time, but we're lucky enough and I'm sure we're still losing stuff and I know we've lost a lot in the past. Um, but, uh, we are lucky enough to have a lot of people that care about it. Um, sometimes almost thanklessly in the sense that you know, no one gets paid for it anymore. Um,
0: right, right.
1: You know, it's, uh, it's volunteers that do it just out of passion, but, um, you know, there's such a, I mean, to me it's one of our greatest assets in this community yeah. you know uh, yeah. to really show what kind of uh, community how we how we came to be and i think in mm-hmm. the future as well
0: yeah it is it is and it's a it's kind of uh, addicting after you start getting into uh, studying the history yeah. you know it's like well you want to know the next story or or you follow a rabbit hole down like uh, street <laughs> signs or something or whatever story you're chasing you know you suddenly start finding um, a different um, direction that you're going in. At the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, we are very close to wrapping up the project for the History Education Center. Mm-hmm. And on the wall, we have the Portraits of History wall. And I know that you helped a lot with helping me find some of the um, photos of some of the people. And thank you for that. There was a lot of a tremendous amount of work. We finalized all of the, the wall designs this past week. And on that wall, the big wall for the portraits are gonna have all, most of the historians that we talked about today are gonna to be uh, depicted there on those walls. So it's, uh, uh, if they're still alive, they're not on there, but, you know, <laughs> but the ones that are, they're on there. Mary Butler, Francis Thornton will be on there. Uh, the Matriots, um, or Michael and Dorothy, uh, and then uh, Maurice Bryant-Lowe uh, they're all going to be on that wall, you know. ADP Van Buren, as well as Charles Barnes. Yeah, I almost forgot about Charles Barnes when I was putting it together. I said, "Oh, we got to have him on there," and so he's in there. Yeah. Um, it was one of those massive projects that you go, "How could I have forgotten that that person about that person?" You know, and uh, it's it's but easy. it's a, it sure. should be a, a amazing thing to see when we get it up. There should be installing it in the next few weeks, so we're really excited about that. And uh, keeping that as a, a history center for the community. And
1: Looking forward to seeing it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, after after we, we talked about this, one that I thought about, I um, mean, it may be too late for your display now, but Ross Collier, Ross Collier, Collier okay. uh, he was a, a journalist with the Inquirer. Um, okay. He, we have a, a bound collection from him out at the branch as well. Um, you know, he... He again, uh, a newsman that was just uh, so uh, you know so enamored with or dedicated to chronicling the history, you know, and, and so he he would save every O bit. He, he he had an index, right. um, and so that's 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 quite a good source as well um, that you can find out at the branch, and perhaps someday we'll get that digitized as well. That's a big project.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that we missed putting on that big wall, but there'll be other parts of the museum where we can honor and showcase them as well. Yeah. So that's the the plan for the whole project at the, at the museum there, you know, so should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it's been fascinating yeah, talking to you. I really enjoyed the stories that we talked about today. Yeah. Uh, Mac, you know, I love I love talking about historians and, and and I've learned a few names that I need to go check out some more of their collections from just talking to you today. So I'm definitely have to dig into that. Cause yeah. Yeah. I'm always looking for new stories for the podcast here. So
1: it's never a ending. wealth of them. Uh, Fannie Mae yeah. Talbot is another one. Um, right. I don't know a lot about her, but I mean, she's really Battle Creek's first female journalist um
0: right i have come across her stories in the inquirer archives yeah um that i've re- i've referenced a few of her stories and some of the stuff i've researched i forgot about her yeah yeah she was quite a she was a very well um did a lot of great research you know yeah. and she, she had a similar column to what um amy south and bernice bryant lowe were doing yeah you know yeah as well as charles barnes you know she was a, a columnist for the paper for I don't know where she fits in the context of history. It was probably around right after Charles Barnes, I would believe. Yeah. Was her would, time period? Yeah. It would have been, yeah. So
1: But yeah, I, I mean it you just you're always uncovering things. Uh yeah, yeah that's I one know. of the things of course I'm biased because, you know, my chosen career was newspapering. And uh right. you know, yeah. I often wish I could still be doing it, but um because it's just so much fun, you know, it's just but yeah. there were so many uh through, over the years Um, So many uh, journalists uh, who work for local papers who really uh, raised up history. Art Middleton, um, who started the remember a vet campaign that still is going. Um, Correct, yeah. um, You know, even, uh, you know, I I think that Al Miller, who was the early owner, who C.W. Post Uh recruited to be the business manager at the then Uh Inquirer when there was like three papers in town, I think um yeah he, he kind of fit the mold that Charles Barnes had as well in the sense that he was really committed to this idea of building community um mm-hmm. he, i don't know that he was the everyman that Charles Barnes was but uh he was certainly contrib- contributed a lot to our understanding of our past and mm-hmm. what it meant so you know that's i think that's part of why we have um so much record and so many historians is that we were just, we were a rising city and, uh, uh-huh. you know, from a, an outpost settlement that rose up very, very quickly and innovated. And uh, and so we just had a lot of people chronicling what was going on. Uh, it's, a, right. it's, a, it's an amazing treasure. I'm glad that uh, you're uh, with the museum and I'm glad that you're doing yeah. the videos that you do. I'm, uh, I thank you. I've told you that I've been uh, building this uh, touring app, um, and I'm very close right. to letting other people like play with it. And maybe you'll be one mm-hmm. of them. In fact, I think I've okay, oh, definitely. Um, but I'm linking to a lot of resources in that app so that people can access those videos in a more, you know, they don't have to go find them. they if, if they're on that app, they can just link and go to them. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to help help with that project because I know a lot of the history at Oak Hill, for example. I know that you're plotting out where you know certain points of history are out there yeah. and we uh, can help you with some of the content. That's a great project, great resource for the community when that gets rolled out. Um, what are some of the other uh, archive Projects you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that you're there's some other stuff coming up that's going to go online, yeah. Um, that, so you, uh, people can look forward to. You
1: probably saw our new website, um, and uh, yeah, but the his the local history piece of that still needs a lot of work, um, that that we're talking about and how we want to do that. But beyond that, we'll be upgrading. This won't mean anything to most viewers, but our server that we uh-huh. use is, is uh, viewers, listeners. Um, is uh, space, and we're going to be upgrading that and trying to streamline the process for getting things up. You know, memory is always an issue okay. space because those things take up a lot of space. Um, right. But, you know, so some of the things in the works to put up, I mentioned the E.W. Roberts um, uh, ramblings with the camera around Old Battle Creek. Is okay,
0: that'll be a great collection.
1: Um, the Heritage Battle Creek magazine. um I had received a grant to digitize the oral history cassette tapes at the uh, at the historical society, and those are done. And so we want to serve up those historic, wow. those oral histories, and then begin the process of adding to them. Um,
0: okay,
1: you know because there are different projects around. Uh, BC Pride is doing an oral history project. I know that. uh okay. Trht. Won't has been talking for a long time about doing a project, an oral history project around people that grew up in the civil rights era. Um, Yes, we really want to expand that. Um, And uh, I would love to find a way, this is another one of my dreams, I'd love to find a way to have more of a wiki kind of setup so that I could have basically Mm -hmm. crowdsource all these images. Because, you know, sometimes when I use an image or, or digitize an image and put it up, I can spend three hours on one photograph you know if it has no information with it and i have to just kind of dig and dig and dig it's it's a lot of work um wow so i'd like some help
0: (laughs) yeah that would be great so uh, other people that actually know what you're looking at on the photo could could put provide some back information yeah yeah Yeah. because some yeah that's that that would be invaluable you know for other people coming along researching later yeah
1: yeah you
0: know identifying people in the photos like you mentioned you know
1: it's it's just a a never-ending project that could you know take a whole staff to do for the next couple of decades you know and still have plenty right right. but um it's a lot of fun i have to say you know even some of the minor stuff were not wasn't minor to this gentleman who called about his grandfather but you know find those stories and and to Mm -hmm. uh And that's one of the things I love about the historians we've been talking about today is that they are, they really bring people to life. You know, a lot of figures, like there's this, I pulled this aside too, and you're probably going to have to edit this program, I suppose, because I'm (laughs) talking so much, but uh, you know, this is, this is a talk that uh, Bernice Bryant Lowe gave on Sojourner Truth. Um, And this leading up to her time, of leaving her children behind to become a Sojourner, an itinerant preacher. So for that, uh, I'm quote, I'm reading now. For that, she uh-huh. chose her new name, Sojourner. When told she must have a second name, she chose Truth, because she would tell the Lord's truth. Do you catch the euphony uh-huh. of that name? Sojourner Truth. Sojourner Truth. Although English was her second language, she quickly found the poetry in it. She was credited with composing lyrics of several songs. In her later years, when she experienced what was called the second eyesight, she said, The Lord has put new new glass in the windows of my soul. Only a poet would think of that. Yeah. I mean, I just just that little insight into the artistry of who Sojourner Truth was right. and, and is. Yeah. Um, those are the kinds of things that local historians get that you mm-hmm. know, people working at a higher level maybe more formally trained, wouldn't necessarily, you know, especially in a small city where you're not going to spend a lot of time. But these folks lived mm-hmm. it and they loved it. Um right. and we're the beneficiaries of that.
0: Yep, most definitely. That's most definitely that's And the poetry that you meant you read earlier that Charles Barnes wrote about Gogwak Lake, it puts you it puts such his you can h- see his passion for the nature as well as you know yeah the history of the place you know all in one
1: yeah
0: you know a little bit of a, a story there so yeah. yeah it's quite it's quite a a fun it's I, i'm a very happy that we have such a great institution like willard library well, i mean you guys yeah, do agree. such a remarkable job of keeping it um current and also keeping it you know a, a he- keeping up with the technology and providing. The digital collections that you do, and um, and using smartly using the funding to expand that, and you know, I love that you're upgrading your servers because that just means more material will be available to a lot more people. You know,
1: Dale Barnum, by the way, Dale Barnum, Dale Barnum, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I remembered, or D- Dean Dino Barnum, Dino Barnum, that's it, but together, yeah. Dino Barnum,
0: yeah, together yeah, Barnum. local history archive. Yeah, and he was—he uh, just uh, passed away recently and left a large part of his estate to the library. Yeah. So the library—that's going to be quite okay. a.
1: And uh, I think it was a nature conservator. I can't remember, but he, he was a lover of nature okay. and hunting as well. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, you know, and you know, I'm really, I'm really happy that we have a new institution in the regional history museum. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's tough times for. Um, organizations, you know, the non, you know, well, we're nonprofit too, but, you know, Kingman Museum, right. of course, is trying to reinvent itself. Um, yeah. The History Museum is really trying to scale up um, and having some success there. Um, thanks mm-hmm. to your contributions in no small measure, as well as others. Um, Historical Society, you know, I I envision us working more collaboratively to basically raise each other up. You know, because right. it takes all of us to tell the community story and we mm-hmm. really can't afford to lose these assets. We need to uh, recognize the value that they have. And, I, I, you know, we do it for love, but I think there's monetary value and financial value to it as well. Yeah. Um, right. People right. travel a long way to visit and learn about the history of a, of a city or a town. And Battle Creek, again, is, yeah. is just fascinating. So it created worldwide yeah. movements, the Adventist church.
0: Yeah, and and that's what we have. That's why I, I work, work my work with the museum, I try to uh, impress upon them that, you know, if someone there, – there are three types of history that will draw people to a museum. There's local history, which you'll get your local people that live in the community to come see. And then you will have something, a story that is national that will drive – that gets someone to drive a couple of states away to come see. Yeah. And I give an example of that where I drove six hours out of my way to go see uh, the Pony Express Museum yeah. when I was driving across country because yeah. I wanted to see that museum, yeah. you know, because I just read a book about the Pony Express and I just was like so fascinated with the history. So I went to St. Joseph, Missouri, and it wasn't a direct route for me to come home that way, but I did it anyways just because I wanted to see that museum. Yeah. And and I think people do that, you know, they'll go out of their way to go see a Lincoln Museum or something. So the Sojourner Truth is kind of that for this museum here. And there's other stories like that as well. And then there's a national level or international level above national that will draw somebody that is coming to the country out of that will drive from L.A. or whatever, just to, or put it on their itinerary to come see and something like that we have at our museum that we're going to be developing is the Del Shannon um, yeah. history because the music legacy, he was very popular in Europe and Australia. And we do have um, a lot of people that still love and admire his music and they, they would come out of their way to see a Del Shannon museum if they were in the country. Yeah, And so the, you have to kind of build your museum from that perspective that you got to have your local and your national, and your international draw and uh, i think the museums that are hugely successful are the ones that that take that in mind you know there's you'll know, go out of your way to go see the mark twain museum i mean who wouldn't i i've been every time i go across country i stop at the mark twain museum yeah i've been in three times and i still love it you know it's i'm just a mark twain fan you know and that's just one example you know yeah people go to the lincoln museum and, and others there's so many around the country that you could probably, there's this big circus museum I want to go down to in Florida. The next time I'm down there, you know, that I hear it's got the PT Barnum history and everything. And I'm just big in the circus history. i love to see that museum and go spend hours there, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure there's other museums that we could probably think about that you would go out of your way to go see if you were in the vicinity, you know? And so that's what we want to create there in this museum, you know, and, uh, trying to have all of as many interesting stories that will bring tourism into the community, you yeah. know? Yeah. So they come to the museum and they go eat lunch at the local restaurants and they maybe book a hotel and stay overnight and come to the museum the next day and spend money in our town, you know? Yeah. And well, inspire, yeah. inspire others well, to move this
1: here, app, you know? I've, you know I reached out to John Hart at the city and, you know, I, I really wanted to incorporate just what you just said. You know, if you yeah. are visiting, Sites of interest. You get hungry. You get thirsty.
0: Right. You know. Exactly. The kids are
1: whining and they want to go to the zoo. Right. Whatever. You know. Just, just another way of, of demonstrating, um, the economic opportunity around having this history. um, Exactly. I hope will lead to, uh, more generous support, by the community. But at the same time, you know, I think you know there are ways to create revenue streams directly and right.
0: figure out those too exactly and we are doing that too yep at at the museum so that the museum can keep existing and prospering and expanding so um it's been a pleasure having you on today mac i've always enjoy Having conversations with you, and we could probably talk for another hour. So that means I'm gonna definitely have to have you back on the show again. <laughs> I love that. So, any last minute things you want to tell people about the the Willard Library before we wrap up today? Uh, any upcoming events that you've got going on?
1: Well, I tell you, we we are planning, and this is just the germ of an idea, but I think it's a good one. Uh, so I think that we're gonna make it happen. But uh, you know, we're planning our what we want to do around Juneteenth this year. And okay. you have the idea. You mentioned Del Shannon. Another relatively unknown, I would say, but iconic figure is Junior Walker, um, who, right. you know, yeah. Motown legend who lived in Battle Creek, and many people mm-hmm. know that. Um, so we had, the, and and June also happens to be Black Music History Month, and so right. we were. I want to. We're going to talk about putting together a live program where we raise up some of that history, but also raise up some of the contemporary artists, um, you know, maybe have a okay. panel discussion, musical interludes. So we'll see where that goes, yeah. but I don't want to overpromise, but I'm pretty confident because everybody I talk to says it's a great idea. Um,
0: well, we're going to have a musical month in June because we have the Dell Shannon weekend planned. Yeah. Right? I
1: saw that month yeah.
0: as well. We're putting on a Dell Shannon concert. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. I'll be having some more uh, Adele Shannon guests on. I want to do some Junior Walker programming here on the, on the podcast. I need to get some guests to talk about his legacy as well. And maybe make June a big history month for music history in battle Creek, you know, awesome. So there's a music legacy wall that's in our history education room too. So it's going to be fun. Well, I have been talking with Mac McCullough from the Willard library And you definitely need to get a library card if you're in Battle Creek because they have such a remarkable digital collection as well as an amazing library with two branches in the area and just great people there that know history and know the collections. And that is the best place to go spend your time. So turn off Netflix and go to the library. (laughs) And... Until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.